It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. One for the road at City Field on Thursday night. In fact, 12 for the road. Possibly the last home game ever for the Met, who's seventh all-time in home runs in the history of the franchise. He and his teammates scored in double digits, and if nothing else, everyone got to leave the ballpark with a fresh, clean, minty taste in their mouths. Four out of five dentists agree, and the fifth one is a tool, by the way. This is a podcast worth your time. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. The 1,001st regular season game at City Field. The Mets are now 505 and 496 at City Field since the ballpark opened in 09. And how did we miss the big anniversary? The big one triple O. No balloons, no marching band. Well, then again, yesterday was International Podcast Day, and I didn't do squat. Josh Lewin with you, and of all 1,001 games in this gorgeous ballpark's history, the one last night, uh, I don't know, maybe ranked around 310th in terms of excitement, but uh, it did include a put-away salami in the bottom of the eighth from Francisco Lindor. The Mets thumped the Marlins 12-3. The big takeaway from Thursday night in Queens, it was possibly the last game Michael Conforto will play in a white pinstriped uniform in that particular borough. A free agent to be, no clue what happens from here. So just in case, it is, uh, in the words of Oingo Boingo, goodbye, 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 goodbye. We got to salute Michael Conforto, who will be remembered fondly as number 30 in your game program, if this is it. Uh, He was always number eight, actually, growing up, and even in college at Oregon State. His Twitter handle, for example, is still at mconforto8. Conforto was and still is a god back on that campus at Oregon State. His team went to a College World Series. If you ever end up in their basketball arena, there are two very cool photos of Conforto as a beaver in there on display about how awesome their baseball team has always been. And that is a great program in a very sleepy little central Oregon. Jacoby Ellsbury went there. Steve Psycho Lions years ago. Ken Forsh, the pitcher with the Astros and Angels back in the 70s and 80s. Conforto, the number 10 pick in the 2014 draft by the Mets, and of all the number 10 picks in history, he's right up there in terms of success. He's not ahead of Mark McGuire or Robin Ventura or Madison Bumgarner or even Eric Chavez or Tim Lincecum, but compared to this year's number 10 pick, uh, not to pick a scab, but he's certainly better than Kumar Rocker. Oregon State for college, uh, we mentioned that he was born and raised north of there in Seattle. Other Mets from Washington State, Randy Myers, Doug Sisk, John Olerud, you may recall, is from Seattle, and uh, technically Sandy Alderson. Sandy was born in Seattle, little known fact. Anyway, Conforto jumped to the Mets in 2015 after only 300 or so minor league ABs, and you may recall he did so in the thick of maybe the craziest week in the history of the franchise, the one that included Wilmer Flores crying, Joanna Cespedes getting traded into town. He became the 1,000th ever Met. And in Game 2 of his big league career, 
a four-hit game. And we were not allowed to interview him on radio after that game. Uh, The Mets at that time thought because he was only 20 years old, he was not equipped to handle the media crush of Ed Coleman. Uh, Turns out college-educated Michael Conforto quickly became the team's union rep, was very well equipped to speak into a microphone. But anyway, uh, the home run off Zach Greinke in the NLCS that fall, the two homer game four of the World Series, overshadowed and forgotten due to the Daniel Murphy series-changing error in the top of the eighth inning that night. Cool note, though, he became just the third player in history to have played in the Little League World Series, College World Series, and the actual World Series. The pitcher Ed Vosberg did that. Jason Veritek did that. He lost all those World Series, by the way, which is a bummer, to Owensboro, Kentucky, Mississippi State, and the Kansas City Royals in those various World Series in that order. So that was 2015, and then in 2016, we learned that he hated his college nickname of Scooter, and he convinced us all to never call him that. After a torrid start in April in 16, he slumped badly, and uh, you might remember he was hitting in the 100s. June 25th, they sent him down to AAA, where he had never played before, because he had hopped from AA to the big leagues on the way up. That's when Brandon Nimmo came up, by the way. And uh, Conforto came back in July that year. He got better. In fact, by 2017, he was an all-star. Got in the game in Miami, singled off Roberto Osuna. But then he tore up his shoulder on a swing at City Field against Robbie Ray a month later. He had surgery, missed the rest of the year as the Mets faded and eventually changed managers for 2018. In 18, he led the Mets with 28 homers, 82 runs batted in. In 2019, he pumped up those totals to 33 and 92. In 2020, hit 322 with a top 20 OPS in the sport, but then this year his uh, worst of his seven as a Met and maybe his final as a Met as well. The remarkable aspect of Conforto's quick ascension from Brooklyn to Binghamton to the Mets, I think, in an age when a lot of young athletes get up to the big leagues believing firmly that the world revolves around them, he had an attitude from a bygone era that he said he got from his dad, who said he got it from, of all people, Joe Paterno. His dad played for Joe Paterno at Penn State, and that's that whole, you're never as good as you think you are, you're never as bad as you think you are mindset. Uh, Conforto, close with his dad, uh, his mom and dad were separated, then divorced. Uh, he and his dad uh, were basically sharing a house all through Michael's teenage years. His dad, a medical devices salesman after his time at Penn State, His mom, as you may know, was an Olympic synchronized swimmer. Anyway, Conforto, just to kind of put a bow on it, 66 home runs at Citi Field. Only Lucas Duda ever hit more than that. Overall, 131 homers as a Met in the regular season. That's seventh all-time. 755 games played as a Met right now. He might finish at 758. That'll be 24th all-time behind guys like John Stearns and Wally Backman. More games played as a Met than John Milner, Dave Magadan, even Ron Swoboda. Think of it this way. Seven years as a Met is as many years as Keith Hernandez played as a Met, if you really want to put that in perspective. More hits than Hubie Brooks and Tommy Agee had as Mets. More doubles than uh, Rusty Staub and Todd Hundley. But I was surprised to discover his career Mets batting average is just .254, which of all the Mets who have had at least 200 ABs, that ranks only 136th. I I would have never guessed that. Same lifetime Mets batting average as Matt Franco, Vance Wilson, Ruben Tejada, and Juan Ligaris, just ahead of Marlon Anderson and just behind Nick Evans. Here's a fun party game. A little stop down for you. Can you name the top 10 Mets batting averages of all time, minimum 200 at-bats? Even Gary Cohen and Howie Rose would be hard-pressed to get 7 of 10 on this sporkle quiz because it's nuts. Not on the list, Keith Hernandez, David Wright, 
Dave Magadan, or Edgardo Alfonso. But on the top 10 list, again, 200 at-bats or more, number 10 is Jeff McNeil. Even after this wipeout of a season he's had this year, he's percentage points ahead of Ricky Henderson. Number 9 is Desi Relliford. Only 301 at-bats, but he hit 302 as a bat. Number 8, Tommy Davis. Number 7 is insane. T.J. Rivera, the Bronx-born backup who tumbled to the Long Island Ducks not too long ago. Enough at-bats to qualify, 319 of them. He hit 304 lifetime as a Met, eight points better than David Wright. Number six, Richie Ashburn, Hall of Famer, original Met who, of course, did all his heavy lifting as a Philly. Number five, Brett Butler, 311 as a Met. Then, three guys I think many fans would expect. John Olerud is four, Lance Johnson is three, Moises Alou is two because of that one amazing year he had. But ladies and gentlemen, the all-time best Mets batting average, minimum 200 ABs, 1967 utility man Bob Johnson, who passed away a couple years ago, sadly. It's a guy the Mets traded to the Reds to bring Art Shamsky to town. Bob Johnson in 1967 somehow hit 348 in his 90 games played. He was 3-for-4 against Don freaking Drysdale. Then he gets traded to the Reds, hardly ever plays there, but you heard it here first. Bob Johnson is the all-time best hitter in New York Mets history. All right. The game itself on Thursday night, the Mets looking for win number 74 in a year where the max will be 77. Scoreless into the second, and then the polar bear comes up. One, two. That's lined toward left center field. That's pretty deep. Back four to Sierra near the wall, and that ball is off the top of the fence in left center, and they're going to say it's a home run. It planked off where the M&M suite seats are above the orange line in left center field. So it is a home run for Alonzo. It's his 36th home run of the year. RBI number 90. And now Alonzo moves past Carlos Delgado on the Mets' all-time home run list. That's number 105 in his career. And it's a 1-0 Mets lead. And as it turns out, Alonzo was just getting started. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS. Mets did fall behind 2-1, tied at 2-2, fell behind 3-2 with Rich Hill on the mound as opposed to Rich Mound on the hill. But the Mets went a little crazy in a good way after that. Bottom of the fourth, VR singles in Baez, who would run his on-base streak to 23 games in a row. McCann doubles in a pair of runs. Mets go ahead 5-3. And then, already with an RBI single the inning before, how about one more from the guy we no longer call Scooter? Pitch line drive by Conforto, base hit into center field. McCann will score easily. Lindor will go around second, heading to third as they have trouble in the outfield picking up the ball. And it's an RBI single for Michael Conforto. His second one tonight, and the Mets now have a 6-3 lead. Closing with a bit of a flourish here. Not enough to salvage his season, I get it. But for what it's worth, Conforto 22 RBIs in his last 29 games. And he always kills the Marlins. Appropriately, that one all-star appearance was in Miami. His OPS against the Marlins since the start of 2019 is 1205. That is Vlad Guerrero territory there. And the Mets piled it on from there. A six-run bottom of the eighth that included Alonzo's second home run of the night, 37th of the year, although we know it was hit off a backup catcher. But that inning also included this. It's coming to Lindor. That's hammered deep to right. Back for it, De La Cruz. That ball is gone. Grand slam, Francisco Lindor. One more loud cheer from the crowd at City Field in 2021. 20 home runs this year for Lindor. Nine of them here in September. His September numbers, he's hitting 270, 
nine homers, 25 runs batted in. His April numbers, 182, one home run, three runs batted in. And we wonder what if that had been reversed? What if he started on fire and then as the Mets failed to make the playoffs, he had hit the 182 down the stretch? Can you imagine? Anyway, good for Lindor to get back firmly on a solid ground with Mets fans, even if it is after the Braves had clinched the NL East. Dude had more RBIs on one swing last night than he had in his first 23 games as a New York Met. After the game, we heard from, among others, Mr. Salami himself, Francisco Lindor. Hey, Francisco. You know, first of all, we, we saw you down there for the last 10 minutes or so signing autographs for the fans. What what made you want to do that here in the final home game? Uh, it's, at the end of the day, that's who we play for. Um, play for my family. I play for um, the organization. But I also play for the fans. And I'm grateful hey, that they came here and they... I'm sure, sure is all of us on. Um, sorry we couldn't get it done for them, um, but I appreciate the, the love they have given all of us. For you personally, how good do you feel about the way that you're finishing this season? It feels, it feels, it feels good. Um, you know, to to have some results. Uh, but I want the team to get better. Definitely, definitely. I definitely have more to improve on. Um, so, little by little, um, it's just a matter of getting to know the, the, this side of, of the league. Yeah. But it feels good. Feel good. Tyler? Uh, yeah, friend. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Francisco, you uh, the team obviously was in first place for a long time. A lot of good things happened this season. Um, what are you going to take going forward that uh, that encourages you about this situation? And what do you think the Mets need to do to to get over the hump? Um, so I'm gonna take that we have a lot of guys that grind, a lot of guys that compete to the end, um, and. We have we have a lot of good things to build from. Um, we 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 play good defense this year. We we pitch good the first the first half and the second half. The guys continue to be strong. Now, not as good as the the first half, but the guys have continued to grind. And then offensively, um, the guys are little by little just getting on the. Uh, on the track they're supposed to be on. So we, we continue to um, help each other out when it comes to to our bats. Um, and yeah, I, I just wish we had more time in the season. Uh, just, we definitely run out of time. Next word, Anthony Jacoba. Francisco, uh, just to follow up on that, how much change do you feel like needs to be made this winter? Um, you know, and, and how how much curiosity I guess do you have to what is going to happen to the to the roster and to the organization as a whole over the next three four months? Well, as an organization, we it starts with the front office. Um, we gotta have um, a front office. I know we have Sandy, um, but um, we didn't have uh, a GM since the beginning. You know, we had Sack, um, and he was doing his job as good as he could. Um, but he wasn't named um, the, the GM. It starts with that. Um, I know Steve is going to 
um, hired a great group of uh, people in the front office, and then it comes down to to the players. You know, it, um, we we definitely have to improve hitting. We definitely have to improve um, defense. Um, I got to be better at base running. So we all got to um, continue to get better in all aspects of the games. To be honest, I'm saying. Um, there's a lot, a lot that we need to to do to be a championship team. Um, so, um, could it be done next year? Of course, of course. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Good stuff from Lindor. Let's also hear from winning pitcher, Rich Hill. Yeah, he won a game as a Met. Rich, I know, you know, in this day and age, the uh, the stat of the win has kind of been devalued from a lot of people's perspectives. But for you, did it did it mean anything to get that first win as a Met here in your last start? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was very, uh, it was emotional, you know, mental ball, mental ball. <laughs> So it was something that, uh, you know, getting traded over here had, you know, high expectations and, you know, wanted to contribute obviously more uh, down the down the stretch uh, than I did. Um, but, you know, to get to get one last start at home here in front of these great fans, it was it, it, it meant a lot. Rich, you know, you say it meant a lot and you got a little emotional right there. Have you made any decisions about your future, given any thought to, to what comes next? Oh, I definitely want to play next year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know there's a lot of good things going on here. I'm not one to, you know, politic or, or, you know, vouch for myself to come back or wherever I've been, but, uh, I know there's a lot of special things that, that are going to happen here and, um, you know, it'd be something that, uh, I would truly look forward to, but, you know, wherever it might be, um, you know, it's it's something that uh, I'm going to sit down and talk with my family about, and and you know, decide from there. You know, as far as uh, what capacity and and what role that's going to be in for uh, for next season. So, you know, the 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 off season is is going to start here next week. So for us, and uh, you know, it's it's a few weeks after that. It's get back to work and and, and prepare for another year. Once again, the happy final from last night. 12-3 Mets winning pitcher Rich Hill. Just the ninth win by a Mets starter since the All-Star break. And now, on to Atlanta to play the Braves. A team Michael Conforto played his first ever spring training game against. He went 3-4 for four in that one in Port St. Lucie. Terry Collins gave him the lineup card. The Braves are headed to the postseason. They will get the Brewers in the NLDS. 
Atlanta will have, I'm guessing, at least a couple players who get mid-ballot MVP consideration. The Brewers will have none. Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley will get some votes here, around fifth place-ish. I think Ozzie Albies might sneak in a few votes, too. And Acuna stayed healthy. Who knows where he'd have checked in. But Freeman and Riley, they play in every game. They're both hitting 300. One guy's got 32 homers. The other one's got 31. Uh, You're going to see some... Reds in there for the MVP mid-ballot area, uh, Joey Votto and Nick Castellanos. Paul Goldschmidt's going to weasel in there. You're going to see uh, Trey Turner and Max Muncy. But yeah, I'm pretty sure a Brewer is not going to crack the top 10, even though they are going to the postseason. They got those excellent pitchers, but they're not going to get MVP votes. So the Reds and Padres with Tatis, the Nats with Soto, all those teams will miss the playoffs. They'll place four or five guys in there. The Mets... Not a whisper. Not a single player worth putting a number 10 vote on. They will be awarded no points, and may God have mercy on their souls. The Mets, as you may know, they have never won a National League MVP. One of these years, baby. One of these years. Anyway, Atlanta hosting the Mets over the weekend. The pitching matchups, we think, will be Tyler McGill against Huascar Enoa tonight. Trevor Williams Saturday for, and uh, well, we'll see what Atlanta does here, because they're going to just start resting everybody for the playoffs. And Sunday, we know the Mets will start Noah Syndergaard, probably just for an inning or two. But uh, after that, we scatter the ashes. We say so long to the 2021 Mets, and with a lot of changes certainly coming around the bend. But one thing to know in this ever-changing world in which we're living, Mets in the Morning is here for you. Atlanta Series Recap Monday, Season Recap Tuesday, and some breaking news once a week, all off-season long, with interviews and updates and nonsense like you're used to. Then we'll hit the ground as a daily model again once the spring training games get underway from Port St. Lucie. And we'll keep the house band intact. We, we've already paid him, so we may as well. On keyboards, Andy Chavez. Slapping to base, Kirk Neuenheis. The horn section, relief pitcher Scott Atchison. And on drums, Jose Okendo. This is Josh Lewin. Once again, your final from the home finale Thursday it was. Happily, the Mets 12 and the Marlins 3. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.